Um, I think a fun metaphor for what we're doing, because I was in a class recently and we were, some, we were kind of talking about this idea of like, is exchange of love of God, of that what is beyond us happening here in these like intellectual like conversations? Yeah. And I was like, well, we could think of our words. And I think this is what, was it Winnicott or Phillips said? Like our words are toys. Our oh, words oh, oh, are oh. these things. And then my friend, Tyler, shout out to Tyler, was like, we could consider every word we say an act of faith. Hey everybody, welcome to No Small Thing, the podcast dedicated to helping you live a less certain and more curious life. I'm Scott. And I'm Mace, and today we are going to just use this as a springboard. The topic is narcissism. Just like doing a, a light Passover, we're flying dun, over. Dun, like narcissism dun, is a, dun, dun, a big dun, dun, giant dun. mountain, <laughs> or it's a big Darth Vader. <laughs> What's happening? And we're just passing over. There it goes. Okay, well... You know, that's a that's a giant volcano mountain that we're flying over. There's a lot there. We could go on the mountain and explore it. There's there's stuff underneath that subterranean that could explode at any moment. Any Mount moment. Rainier. <laughs> and we know that that's there. All we're doing is flying over. Whoop, I, feel like, I feel like hi. I want to do more than fly over. I want to land oh. and I oh. want to explore a little oh. bit. Oh, yeah. we just yeah. set the intention of 30 minutes. So in 30 minutes, we're going to land the plane no, and, but explore. And, and explore in the woods of the mountain. Yeah, but, then, but then we'll fly <laughs> off again. You know? Okay, let's you know, see. We're going to get close to it. We're going to get our little magnifying glass I feel like what I feel like if we're going to play this metaphor, what's going to happen is um, you're going to parachute down and you're going to radio up to me. Uh, here's what I see down here. And I'm like, cool. I can see you down there, but um, I'm, I'm flying over. <laughs> that might be it exactly. And super. And then man. you have to find you're your way home. You have to find your way home from the woods. <laughs> I'm like, save me. Nope. <laughs> nope. You I wanted to parachute like... down. You wanted to experience narcissism. <laughs> um, okay. I feel like it might be fun to get us started with uh, a, a reading that will just D- jump share, out of the plane. Mesa's got their parachute ready. The I'm complexity gonna... of it. So we can all just recognize our littleness in this topic. Yeah. And I just want to say everybody, uh, well, we've, we're taking a lighter approach these days. We, we were very ambitious in the early days. Oh, we We'd be were. Like, we're going to research for a month and we're going to do two hours on narcissism. And I don't know really truly how far that actually got us, <laughs> you know, right. Because, right. I think, okay, in terms of ego narcissism, before you get into your little, you're big, you're important <laughs> thing that you're about to read, <laughs> your little silly little thing you're about to read. Uh, um, there was a grandiosity in thinking we're about to do it. We're about to do the episode on whatever co- topic we we're covering. Friendship, and defense mechanisms, interesting interjection. that there is something around landing the plane that you, we, you refuse to do. Right. And that's an interesting also potential narcissism. Landing the plane? Yeah. Like uh, Well, yeah. I mean anything's potential anything's narcissism. Potential. That's why. Well. <laughs> so, uh this is all a, a new approach. Sure. And I've already said it a million times, especially if you're just a person that listens to this back to back. I'm like, they say this every single time. But it's like I I haven't been on the mic in 2 weeks, so to me it's fresh. And I'm reminding myself, these are prompts for further reflection. Mm -hmm. So just, it's not trying to land the plane or say the definitive. No, and kind of letting ourselves reassociate. Yeah. All right. Okay. Narcissism. So here's here's a, this is a prompting of a reading and it's going to be overwhelming. The reading is a prompt. The reading is a prompt. A prompt from a reading. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Derived from. We just, before recording this, didn't know what topic we were going to do. And we just by nature started listening to this book called Traumatic Narcissism. This is what we do by, for fun. <laughs> uh, written by Saturday Daniel morning, Shaw. what would you like to do? No, Let's like, listen to an audio book like, on hey, traumatic narcissism. I got narcissism. this audio book on traumatic narcissism and it's like, great, get the coffee, here we go. And this, It's extreme because it's either going to be that or it's going to be like Mr. Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so no this, middle, middle this was um, from the very beginning of the book and it might just be fun to just let ourselves chew on this. Let's see if it's fun. Hopefully it's okay. fun for everybody. 
Narcissism today, oh, so this is Daniel Shaw. Narcissism today is a public word in common parlance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, When most people talk about narcissism, they are referring to self-centered, vain, exhibitionistic people, people who seek admiration from others and who make everything about themselves. An astonishing amount of popular psychology and internet chat is devoted to the topic, Mm -hmm, especially mm -hmm, to the ways that narcissists exploit and abuse others and how one can best deal with them, protect oneself from them, and or get them out of one's life. When psychoanalysts talk about narcissism, however, we have to take pains to define our terms, of which there are many, and bushwhack our way through a jungle of complexity and contradiction. Ooh, bushwhack our way through a jungle of complexity and contradiction. I mean, what a that's a great sentence. metaphor for what we hope to do here um, on this pod. That's well. what you're doing. You jumped out of the plane and you're going bushwhack. Um, bush- exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it. That's a great, that's exactly the vibe. Um, uh, okay. Uh, as we... Uh, are we talking about healthy, normal, or quote, pathological narcissism? Yeah, quotes. I mean, what even is pathological? That was my own side note. Uh, back to reading. Is a narcissist deflated, overinflated, thicker, thin skin, over or inverted? Is narcissism characterized by entitled grandiosity or by young idealization or both? Is it a line of development of the self leading in maturity to empathy, wisdom, and humor? Or a young infantile developmental stage to which schizophrenics regress? Is narcissism more broadly the dimension of mental activity concerned with the maintenance of self-esteem? Whoa. A pathology caused by an excessive endowment of aggression or envy or an extraordinary vulnerability to shame? Whoa. Or by traumatic impingements at crucial developmental stages? What are problems with making fluid transitions from subjective to objective states and back? Whoa. Isn't that characteristic of the narcissist as well? All is of it? the above is the answer and a great deal more. <laughs> when we go by the rich, complex, and sometimes contradictory psychoanalytic literature, another parable, the one about the Tower of Babel, comes to mind. Wow. Holy smokes. Okay. so This obviously- is why Scott wants to stay out of the... The parable <laughs> being maybe the original parable of like Narcissus looking falling in love with their reflection. Well, and I think uh, the Tower of Babel, like... Um, maybe I'm misunderstanding the Tower of Babel or I don't remember it right, but like this, it's like leads, one little bit leads to everything's collapse almost. I think it's like a confusing of languages, you know? Yeah. 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 So it's like, there's Building all a these tower different, like narcissism, heaven. what this idea, like even our word of narcissism, it's like, as we start to talk about it, it's a, conf- a we're not going to get there. Right. It's a confounding, yeah. trying to understand something. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I'll just say, first thing that comes to mind for some reason as you're talking, because it's like one of the things that has been on my mind a lot in recent years is the moment you, we learn about a word. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll just use the word gaslight for an example. It somehow seemingly out of nowhere seeps into the collective consciousness. It does. Like it's in the, it's in the air. People, everybody. You find yourself saying it. You find other people saying it. You find yourself wondering about it. You find yourself using it to interpret situations. Mm -hmm. You find yourself. Yeah. All those things as it makes its way. And it's useful and dangerous at the same time. Exactly. Because now everybody's gaslighting. And if anybody, I mean, you and I have experienced this, but if anybody pushes back on your perspective, you jump to gaslighting. Yeah. Not you, Mace, but people. Right. Me. Oh, that's all that. And it's like, okay, I would say for a while, it causes a certain type of um, paranoia or anxiety. The moment you learn it, everything starts to become a gaslighting thing. No, exactly. It becomes kind of the paradigm, which is an interesting way that we think about. I think what you're naming here is like when we start to have a name for something, it then becomes something to interpret through and potentially here's the thought in a like in the way we grow when we're taking on a new lens we need to almost become a little bit fixated on it and try it out maybe more aggressively so as to then good point maybe add more perspective in so maybe we collectively go gaslighting and we maybe overindulge yeah and hopefully we then find our balance. Well, it sort of That's reminds me about the idea of like a, of a, an excited student. Like I remember like, you know, the first time I ever learned about perichoresis or the first time right. I learned about like 
like kingdom theology or something. I don't know, like whatever it was that I was learning about, like theologically in school because theology seminary stuff. And it's like you can't stop talking about it for a while when right. you learn about right. it. Right, because you're also trying it on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe narcissism has has probably always been around in terms of collective conversation, but I think Donald Trump made it a thing more. Oh, interesting. We're just watching what seems to be a, a ginormous narcissist controlling the whole country. And uh, this is what I'll say as a disclaimer for everybody and myself included. We're all narcissists. That's why I say, like, I think it's nice to just be like, don't, don't act like, um, there are narcissists and not narcissists, but there is something that might be called like narcissistic personality disorder, like an official diagnosis or something. Right. right which is like also pushback on pathology and yeah. di- like diagnosis is helpful and it's complicated as well. What a diagnosis does. I would say the language I would use as someone who's developing an understanding as of a trained narcissism, almost licensed therapist. Right. But like in still learner, a like learner. deep, deep a learner, young learner. and uh, discovering yep. still, I think my understanding and how, if, if, how this concept can be helpful, how it could be harmful, how it could be used in the, you know, in different ways, Mm -hmm. the ways it has been used. But I think the way I've come to think about it now is like, we all have our patterns of narcissism. So when we think about narcissism and the like potential, like, I mean, we were just the the later in this book, they talk about this idea of recognition Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the importance of mutual recognition in early bonds, essentially. Okay, here we go. This is to kind of develop a sense of self. This idea of being recognized in yourself starts to cultivate essentially strength in the self. So a recognition by by early caregivers. Usually, yeah, early care exactly like a, a an available person who can help us to make sense Mm -hmm. of our situation who can be in uh in i I don't know in relationship yeah of sorts with yeah but that they're what was i saying (laughs) you drifted off i drifted off (laughs) keep talking uh, and mace is going to maybe just free associate a little bit while i close this door because it's opening and closing because it's windy keep talking um let's think so I think that the way to think about patterns of narcissism in some sense is that we all also probably got misses in our recognition. Yeah. Yeah. And we all in many ways often self give. And and when you say recognition, you're talking about like sort of seeing, acknowledging, enjoying things like that, like noticing. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to be too abstract. Like, I think there's a part of me that feels those words aren't too abstract, right? Like a a child being noticed, celebrated, seen. I don't know what word to use. Well, and I think about, I think about Winnicott right now. It's like, that's what I'm associating to in this idea of the ability to be able to stay with, um, spontaneous gestures. Yes. So I would say where narcissism starts to kind of unfold is when, early caregivers and bonding is actually more about the image being impressed on what the child is meant to be for yes. the caregivers yes. as opposed and, and we don't want to put it such in opposition, but as opposed to um, an ability for the child to surprise and for there not to be such rigidness on the fantasy of what the child is supposed to do because the child will unconsciously pick up on what the fantasy is of the parent. And if it's too strong and rigid, the child will then potentially give of themselves and then have a resentment around that and kind of create this image not out of the self. And so then they're deprived of a self image though they have a false self. There is a, there is an image, right? There is an image, but it's more based off of the fantasy given to them. And, and would you say because of the way that that image is formed, it's not as pliable or agile or flexible. It's, it's a, it has to stay remained in that. Yeah. And it also involves, and I think this is, I'm, I'm now just like, I haven't read Symington in a long time, but I think it would also involve like cooperation on the child to play into the fantasy too. It's like, oh, that's where we could also not say in a way that loses there's relationship. Themselves. Yeah. Like, uh, like no, no, no. In a way that loses themselves. Oh. Um, Symington kind of talks about this idea that there's a, a level of the, inf- 
infant, the child, the person kind of choosing to stay also in the fantasy with the caregiver. But does it, does it, engage, does it involve a little bit more agency or self-awareness or something? Is that what you're saying? Um, I think one thing that these thoughts are leading me to th- wonder about or to think about is we have a resistance to being a narcissist. Right. So I think that you were like giving these caveats of saying like, everyone's a narcissist. There's all these reasons because we, I think are really defended against considering our own narcissistic patterning because it's very fragile and (sighs) narcissism is in many ways attached to shame. It's attached to what we're vulnerable to. It's attached to the wounds of our self-esteem. It's these Mm. things. And to then also be called a narcissist is probably also attached to those pieces. So it's kind of meta, the whole thing. Okay. Okay. So I have, I have many questions. Let's, let's do it together. Yes. I don't, I don't want you to sense that I'm putting you on the spot to have all solutions and answers. Although I do think you've spent more time academically in this, in these waters. I think that is relatively true. Okay. So, um, one question I have that is, is might be interesting for listeners and, and would be interesting for me is just to build and, and to know that like, this is going to be a very flimsy build in, in just like 10 or 15 minutes. But like talking about what you just said, one of the things that I I think that's very interesting that you talk about is this idea of a floor for experience. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that has some tie-ins to what we're talking about. Would you agree? I would say floor for experience. Maybe I would consider floor for experience more around development of like sense of body ground self, Okay, which is related, but I would say, uh, this is more related to, um, ego and shame. Okay. Though it could be, I'm like, I'm open. I thought when, when I hear floor for experience and I guess I can make it say whatever I want it to say. Exactly. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm open. It it seems as if somebody and all of us and somebody has this more, if they don't have something to fall back on, that is a true robust sense of self. Yes. Like something to stand on. Right. No, I think you're right. You know what? Honestly, as you're talking, I'm like, I do think almost floor for experience has to do with a, a well-roundedness of certain defenses. Cause I've often heard it talked about in terms of like autistic defenses, but okay. I imagine it as also being narcissistic defenses as well. Okay. So yeah, this is, this is helpful. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about, um, the, the development of a narcissist and the thing you were talking about just now about like not wanting to see that we're narcissists or admit that we're narcissists or look at narcissism. And maybe it's also like a giant projection, like, because I don't want to look at my known narcissism. I mean, you could say maybe for fun and let's see if it's fun. fun. The more (laughs) somebody thinks other people are narcissists, the more (laughs) they're narcissists. No, it's, there's gotta be some other within like so often you're trying to get out of you. You don't want it. Exactly. You don't want it in you, which is in many ways also part of potential narcissistic structure is this inability to digest one's own badness, one's own hate, one's own whatever feelings and to then have to displace it probably unconsciously dissociatively into the other and perceive it often as attack. Yeah. That's built into it. Um, in many ways. So sometimes I want to think about somebody like Donald Trump because that's just like the easiest thing for everybody because we all know it's like, what, what can we reference? That's just most commonly understood, but like, it'd be interesting to think about other more famous narcissists if we could think of one, but like, yes, you could say maybe perhaps I have no idea. Donald Trump seems like a narcissist, but isn't the more interesting conversation. I think when we're having how much we all want to say he's a narcissist. Yeah. Because it's like, it's too easy. It's too easy. It's, it's our way of, and it's again, it's our way of making sense of it, but it is. And this is an interesting thing. Like, um, I'm in group therapy right now and we're talking in this most recent class, we talked about this idea of, um, having someone like a leader is like group wise, we have a negative bias towards them to begin with. And we kind of allow ourselves to often scapegoat a leader into kind of these things. And so that way we then have a, as a group have something to rally around. Right. And it is, it's our, it's, it's potentially ways that we, it's probably doing both. It's hopefully doing both. That's that's my hopeful side is that also people are considering it in themselves, but it probably Mm. is generally, Mm. (laughs) generally, uh, Rarely, rarely do I see (laughs) 
anybody I think considering I something think in themselves. The best, I think something, I think one of the best, I mean, talk about lesser mercurius. I think that was the biggest, one of the biggest tools for me is like anytime something in someone else is really agitating me, it's probably good to wonder yeah. if it's about something in me. Yeah, it's yeah, almost yeah, like yeah, when yeah, you yeah. start Other to within. go, is anything in my dream also me? Yes. It's like, it does. it's the same trick. Yeah. It's like now all of a sudden, everything becomes opened up a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, in the days of Trump and I guess he's still around, <laughs> but, um, it was like on the one hand cathartic to get around some people and sort of complain. But although having said that, I would say my feeling mostly was extreme bored, extreme boredom and extreme concern. I'm like, this is too easy. Like what's going on here? Like we just have this big giant target now to like displace all of our issues on. And he, and he makes it so easy and not, not to say that we shouldn't be concerned about Trump. Right? No, he's doing all the things but people do with Biden too. I'm like uh, people act. It's like, uh, it's like, it's to say it's people act like it's saying something. If you have a criticism of Joe Biden, I'm like, of course, he, he like, it's not, like, he's, I mean, Joe is, he's very problematic. It's like just potentially just Almost as worse problematic, just quieter yeah. about it, yeah, you yeah. know, like covert versus like overt narcissism. Yeah. Like there are these ways. And I think that's the thing is not to say that, no, I mean, I mean, you also I mean, I'm in a group therapy class. So it's like this idea of like people get loaded up with traits. Yeah. Typically loaded like the way, the All way that. things work, like group dynamically, like, mm-hmm. and that's also something to wonder is like, Oh, this person's feeling, um, self-conscious about sharing. What part of me that's self-conscious about sharing have I actually just thrown into that person? And cause I don't want to handle that. Yeah. Like wondering that is also a fun, an interesting, fun thought, but like how much do these people get loaded up and then start just playing these roles? I think like loaded up. I love that. I think it's like helpful to sometimes. And I think that this is where I don't really follow pop culture, like celebrity mm. stuff mm. very a, closely. Well, okay. I, I, I feel like I'm really I just like, true. I think I'm just kind of arbitrarily my own taste about certain people. Sure. And then beyond that, I, I know nothing. Sure. Yes. Yes. But, yes. Uh, Let's go with it. I think <laughs> Let's I take you at your word. I think it's fun. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, I think it's fun to consider these people as like, and, and, and I think I'm going to say fun because one of our models is also like, it's so serious. We need to play about it. Right. Right. Uh, plays more than as pretend. like, these are like Greek gods in the sky. Right. Like these right. are maybe not in the sky, but like, these are myths. myths. These people also the like Donald Trump myth, the, the presidential, the myth. like archetype yeah. that this person is the, the kind of caricature of person that they yeah. are and how that's like almost in many ways, like, we, uh, we tell stories collectively as people and mm-hmm. we've now storied this person and this person is now like a character yeah. for us to collectively have as a character in our collective, whatever. And how does that play into celebrities for you? Like, you- I feel like celebrities are, is like a way it's like a, uh, I think similar to way something like, and I don't want to, I don't, I don't feel like it's a problem. I think it's useful for us as sure. people like to have these, it's like the Greek gods, like what they serve for communities to have these mm-hmm. kinds of, uh, I don't know, characters. I guess it's up to celebrities to know what they want to do with that. It's like, you know, you could, you could, you could constantly disrupt people's character. I think there are celebrities that do that. Like Jim Carrey would be an interesting example. What do you mean? Or Kanye, I hate to say it, but like, like somebody that's like, okay, like, uh, the society has built up a character of me. I'm going to destroy it. And here comes a new character. Oh, I'm going to destroy that. Well, but maybe, but I'm like, I feel like Kanye is kind of playing some, like often the fool, like that character. Yeah. We should run away from Kanye. I don't want to get too stuck. Run away. What what if we just did quickly for fun, for fun, (laughs) a little, a little like, dip your toe in the water of, of talking about our own potential narcissism. Cause I had some thoughts recently some, from therapy, maybe some narcissistic wounds yeah. or areas in ourselves. Yes. Dip our toe lightly and come right back out. And then we're going to end and go right to the color wheel. Yep. I don't even know what we, what we just said. We, we went bushwhacking, but we did. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, uh, you know, we used to try to do takeaways. Maybe let's do this toe dip and then try to do a takeaway okay. from our short little conversation. Okay. <laughs> 
Uh, okay. So a narcissistic wound in my understanding, whether it's right or wrong, you don't have to come at me with like, I mean, go ahead. If it's, if, if it's terribly wrong, I'm leading everybody astray is essentially you have a version of yourself that you want out there in the world and you want people to, you want to be seen a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. By yourself and others. Not bad, not good. It's just how it is. And that could be some sort of like a type of narcissism in the realm of narcissism, akin to narcissism. But also narcissists, every, like narcissism is a part of healthy development. Sure. Like let's name that. Like we need, we're going to get loaded up with the disclaimers, <laughs> <laughs> load them up. Okay. Keep going. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> um, if, if you have an idea of how you want to be seen, nothing wrong, part of development, just how it goes. And we're saying a few things about it. Here we go. Um, I, okay. So I, I remember saying to my therapist recently, uh, I was going to make a decision that I think would like harm my sort of public persona that I was wanting to be seen as. And I just go, I'm Mr. Rogers. You know, I view myself as Superman or Mr. Rogers or a good guy or Jesus or whoever, you know, like when I curated my, um, you know, the cast of characters for seminary, you know, one, one of my main characters was good guy, Gabe. And I was like, this was rooted in Superman. It's rooted in Luke Skywalker. The the things that influenced my early development, who was trying to be like, and who might've impacted my personality structure. My favorite character of the five characters I created for myself was whimsical. William, I'm going to try to channel that guy more often, but, uh, anyways, I said to, I said to my therapist, uh, Oh yeah. I, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm Mr. Rogers. And he goes, well, that's your narcissism. And I think that's, that was an aha moment for me mm-hmm. to say that like maybe one of the misconceptions that we typically have as people. And maybe if you're listening and you don't have this good for you because you're a step ahead of us all, all you're a step ahead of us all. Um, is that a narcissist is this, this person who's just this raging attention monster. Ah, mm-hmm. Look at me. I'm going to make, I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt everybody. I make everything about me. I'm going to turn mm-hmm. it all back to me, mm-hmm. me, 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 me. Mm-hmm. And I think there are, are much more subtle versions of that. Like there could be this quiet person over in the corner and I'm not that quiet, but like who's trying to be good. But like the idea would be you could only be seen that way. Mm-hmm. And if you mm-hmm. say, Hey, um, over here in this little zone, you were kind of a jerk and you can't tolerate that because you're like, no, 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 no. I wasn't a jerk. I, I'm Mr. Rogers. I'm Superman. No, 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 no. Yeah. Let me tell you. And this is what I would do. Let me tell you about how I can actually spin that into how I was being a good guy. Now I hurt your feelings, but I did that because it was because I love you and I need you to know. So, and the whole time I'm just mostly just talking to protect my ego or my idea of myself. This guy's saying it. I have I'm to tell my, you. I'm feeling my heart race as you say these, <laughs> these, uh, these, these it, it will always be, here's how I actually, here's how actually that decision saved everybody, including myself. And it's this it giant cosmic this. heroic. It will always be this. But I think that's the thing is like, we have the ability to change. It probably, yeah. like, I think that that's. Well, so acknowledging it would be the first step probably. Right. Hopefully. Right. But I would say that even yesterday in therapy, there was, <laughs> It was a fun day of like real reverie play and we were just in a zone and my therapist, I don't know if I say his name, but like he, he like almost leapt giddily and goes, that's your narcissism. <laughs> that's your narcissism. That's narcissism. And I was just laughing so hard because it really felt like I wasn't, my defenses weren't up and I was laughing and his laughing. And, but I, what I would, what I had said, which Mace has heard me say bajillion times. It's, it's one of my go-to phrases. And sometimes I don't know what else to even say. It's, it's just, I get lost. I'm overwhelmed. I'm confused. Uh, I don't understand a situation or why somebody's doing something a certain way. And my go-to fallback phrase. And to a certain extent you could say code red. If I start saying this, because we've now lost all communication. (laughs) It's like, I just eventually, I can tell you the phenomenological experiences. I've reached the bottom. I'm like, (laughs) I have no idea what else to say. It's throwing up my hands. And I say my, my, everybody, my go-to phrase is I wouldn't do it that way. I wouldn't, I do, it wouldn't that way. do it that way. And the re- the reason it would be narcissism, it would be saying it's like, I can't conceive of somebody else doing it some, a different way outside your fantasy of how I can you only would do it. center my own way of doing it. And any, and if there's a different person separate from me with a different mind and a different set of life experiences, and they're choosing to do something differently, it's yeah. like, I can't comprehend. Well, and that why would you do it that way? And also probably that potentially their way of doing it has disrupted your fantasy of how this could have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that that's this fun piece around it of like the, the, 
the beauty of maybe recognizing or maybe the way through, maybe because you're saying, oh, I think the first step is recognizing. I think it is the first step is recognizing. And then next is kind of learning to tolerate. Like it's kind of building up each of ours kind of capacity to tolerate frustration in the real. Don't want to Because tolerate. it's like, yeah, now we're left with reality, which is often frustrating. Yeah. And yet that is now Philipsian, that is satisfying. Reality is more satisfying than this fantasy that we have because we can't control. Like there's a fantasy of control happening with narcissism as well, I feel like. So, I mean, do you want to have a thought? No. I, I could say for me, it's a similar, but not the same. Oh, now we're going to go to the mace narcissism? Yeah, would, does right, that sound do good? Yep, yep. Uh, I would just say to conclude that little chapter, yes. would, ju- would just be to say, first of all, it's, it's, it's always sort of ironic and strange and paradoxical to say, okay, well, now I'm acknowledging narcissism, but part of my narcissistic structure could be a person that wants to be seen as somebody that can identify narcissism. Right, no, 100%. <laughs> and it's I'm like drawing also circles with my own like, How do we get out of meta, this? And it's like even just having this conversation is potentially... <laughs> Like it's, it's all dicey. It's all dicey. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I could say, uh, maybe a narcissism for me, it is also attached to goodness, but I think Mm. for me, a narcissism is that I could consider all angles that I could, uh, read a room and deliver what's best for the room is maybe a narcissism I have. And so then the shadow side of that. Cause there is, I think that's the thing of like healthy narcissism is also like amazing. It's creative. It's powerful. Like there's, there's ways in which like, uh, narcissism has gifts and the shadow side of that could be, and often shows up. And this is where it's like, this is covert in its own way. It's like a vulnerable shame of like feeling an intense guilt and anxiety towards making sure everything I say and maybe the people I'm attached to say is controlled because then I can control the outcomes of people's like the crowd is what I often refer to. Like there's a narcissism in me that I could somehow say the words that nobody would be offended. That somehow what I say would be insightful for anyone. Yeah. And so I, there's a pressure to make sure everything I said, everything I say is that, and there's a narcissism that there's any way that's feasible, you know? And this is sort of oftentimes in a classroom setting, but often just group settings in general. And in the pod even, oh, the you pod. know, it's like all kinds of We're places. imagining a crowd in this Imagining room. any kind of like group situation. Now I will just pause and say for me personally, phenomenologically, there's a juiciness and sort of a rabid to when you use the word goodness. Like I'm wanting to like know a little bit more about that. What do you mean? Don't move too quickly away from that. I'm like, go back to that. What was I saying? Like you you said, you you said goodness and then you leapt to, you said, I don't need to talk about that very much. And you left to something else. I'm like, why don't you just sit in that, that, what do you mean by there? There might be a narcissism wrapped up around in the concept of goodness for you. Oh, I mean, like being good. Yeah. Being good. Like, yeah. uh, whatever it is, I think being a person of character, yeah, like a person of integrity yeah. are probably pieces for me. And, uh, a person that is constantly growing and learning are also probably places of narcissism for me. Like yeah. where, uh, if that gets threatened, if someone says, Oh, you were, uh, a bad person, a bad person, or you hurt me, you harmed me. Maybe that's something too. Like there is kind of maybe a narcissist around that. I could not harm people or yeah. like I could somehow control that. And yeah. it's like, there's, there's again, it's kind of like there's a surrender. You have to kind of work through an ordinary sized humanness mm-hmm. that, uh, might be the, maybe antidote Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, or mm -hmm, in the conversation mm -hmm. with narcissism. But yeah, I mean, lots, 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 lots of things. Um, It's so tough. It's such, it's so interesting too. Like, obviously, I mean, the original title for this podcast was going to be everything is interesting, Mm -hmm. but I do get sort of like captivated again. I, I can tell this is like, you know, almost hypnotizing me. 
this, this topic. I'm like, ah, oh, there's so much further. I'm like, oh, oh, now, now I can tell all of a sudden I want to jump down in the parachute and be like, let's bushwhack. There we go. No. <laughs> but no, I think this is a starting point. It's that's, we're giving ourselves a lighter approach these days. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, do you have any like takeaways from what we just did? Takeaways, S- takeaways. Yeah. I mean, I think we were listening to this book and so maybe it's a takeaway from this book that I would bring into this around like, um, there's in, in the therapy world, the field of relational psychoanalysis, which is like a really cool contribution that I find myself really drawn to that kind of is about this idea of being in real relationship with someone where both folks have autonomy and both folks can be in mutuality and there can be something of a shared third that goes beyond just one plus one. Like there's something beautiful in that. And I think there was something really compelling around this book around how narcissism first off is not something to be understood in isolation. Like Mm. narcissism is going to show up in our patterns in relationality. Like narcissism is developed in relationality and narcissism gets worked through in real relationship where there is something like recognition and mutuality that there's like almost an, uh, um, I don't know. I felt like inspired in in terms of thinking around like, um, when I feel like, um, mutuality is being threatened when I might feel like I, um, like it's when I'm feeling threatened, how mutuality might be a way through. And, And what do you mean by mutuality? I think I mean like, um, and maybe actually what I more mean is mutuality. And they were kind of talking about this idea of like, I, maybe I mean spontaneity too. Yeah. Like something that involves the real, something that takes, takes the pressure off of the fantasy oh, and allows for, um, being with, with the real, which would involve mutuality. So which would involve taking in, what's going on from the other and them taking me in. I know it, it would involve not having a one dimensional <laughs> way. I want the other to be right. Oh. It would involve kind of putting that down and being open to something beyond my fantasy, oh, which is, is really threatening and scary. You know, it's like, it's, it, that's also scary because we want to make sure, I mean, they were also talking about this idea of it's like either what's happening in these States for us, it's either destroy or be destroyed in terms of like probably your sense of things. Yeah. In the Christian sense, there's an old Bible passage that says deep cries out to deep. It's, it's this idea that there's something deep inside of you that would be crying out to the deep, which would be God, I guess in this passage. But I think that's something that you have to experience. It's, it's mysticism at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like, I would say there's a sense of self that's probably always been a little, a little nugget inside of me, a little, a little sliver of something that is a through line from the moment you have some sort of sense of consciousness that you can reference. And mostly it seems as if as time goes on society, people tell you to, I love, I like this idea of loading up, loading up a different set of personality traits that you're Mm -hmm. sort of obliged to, take on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you're you interject. That's would be yeah. like the psychological word. It's like you've interjected these projections and then we're and just talking to each other from our made up selves. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, and then we're doing it to each other. We're doing, you know, the done and done to, we're doing what was done to us. So now I want you to act a certain way. You want me to act a certain way. And we're talking on the surface level. And sometimes this sounds so obvious, but like I'm telling you for me, it only happened in, in like the last, five years or so that I started and and it's probably a journey, a lifelong journey of like getting in touch with a sense of self, but it would be deep cries out to deep, meaning a true authentic deep self is talking to another true authentic deep self. And Mm -hmm. I have to be true to myself, which would be a little bit more human size, sloppy, and maybe a little vulnerable. Yeah. It wouldn't be just sending out my Mr. Rogers persona to interact with the world. There'd be other less knowledgeable, Less less, less kind, less thoughtful, less nice, and, and then letting that interact and see what happens. And then the other person needs to send out a, a more real, and I need to be able to tolerate that and make space for it while making space for myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Woo. Mm-hmm. 
Oh boy. Oh boy. Sometimes I feel like we're saying the deepest stuff and the most obvious at the same I time. I know, I know. I'm like, what are we even so saying? So just two real people talking and having a real conversation. But if you would have said that to me 10 years ago, I'd have been like, of course, of course, it's easy, right? Yeah. To an authentic conversation. Um, I think a fun metaphor for what we're doing, because I was in a class recently and we were, from, we were kind of talking about this idea of like, is exchange of love of God of that what is beyond us happening here in these like intellectual like conversations? Yeah. And I was like, well, we could think of our words. And I think this is what was it Winnicott or Phillips said, like our words are toys. Our oh, words oh, 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 are oh. these things. And then my friend Tyler, shout out to Tyler was like, we could consider every word we say an act of faith. Oh yeah. Which I was like, that's beautiful. Boom, considering, this you know a love test a love test yeah uh what's that i mean that's an act of faith seems in the realm of a love test i mean adam phillips would say that maybe that's even winnicott but like <laughs> we you don't know, know i'm gonna say this thing and hopefully love comes back i'm, mm. I'm gonna say something that i think is a little risky mm. it's a new thing mm. and hopefully it's handled well and handled mm. with care mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. an authentic self only my well and yeah. also and also the real would involve that all love would probably also include some hate Ooh, don't want to think about don't that. Don't want to think about that. <laughs> okay, so it's time to spin that motherfucking wheel. Did you say your takeaway? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess my takeaway for today is um, narcissism is complicated. And I'm thinking about this idea in terms of what we've been talking about today is... I guess in the spirit of less certain, more curious, what I would want people to come away with is a, a, a sense of um, there isn't a, a single psychoanalytic, psychological writer, uh, viewpoint, philosophy um, reference that has narcissism figured out. No. It's a very interesting thing to think about. And if they think about, if they uh, think they do, well, then... Yeah. And so I would want, I would want, I guess I would want a society and us all to be heading in a direction that has a more complicated, nuanced, robust view of something like narcissism. And that's something that we would be involved in doing that. We wouldn't just say, here's our caricaturized version of narcissism. Here's it's Donald Trump. I'm just going to keep saying that for fun because that's what it seems. What's our, our go-to reference point. And then we take that and we put superimpose Donald Trump on everybody. I've done it this guy's just like Donald Trump. It's like a giant transference. Mm-hmm. It's like, and, and then we say that's narcissism and it's like, well, narcissism is a lot of things. Yeah. And, you know, and I think I, I want to add this too. of narcissism is also like very painful, like healing through narcissism when it's really overworked is really painful and it will, it involves like, um, like a destabilizing, I think almost ground. If you start to realize, holy shit, yeah. this like ground beneath me is is not solid. Yeah, you yeah, know. So yeah. I think that, like I would hope that we might um, develop um, empathy because we also have narcissistic patterns. So maybe it begins with empathy towards yourself. Empathy towards yourself, and, and when you're if you start to notice narcissistic patterns, yeah. because it's it's doing something to protect you yeah. at the same time. Um, yeah. That's good. That's good. Empathy. Empathy. That might be a good takeaway for the day with Empathy, yourself. Grace. Love and <laughs> peace. <laughs> what were you saying? It's almost sounded like you're singing the veggie tales. Song no, I really was kind of like, Empathy, da, 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 veggie tales, narcissism. narcissism. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're going to spin that wheel. Okay. Here we go. The first color on the wheel. This is a new segment, everybody, where Mace spins a color wheel and then talks about the color. And so far, it's been pretty fun. It might not last forever, but there's a wheel spinning. Dun, 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 dun. Nice oh! and simple. Nice and simple. Sky blue, We're in, folks. Mace is in their blue era. I am in my blue era, and this is kind of the blue of choice. Sky, sky blue? Sky blue. Would I you would say, say your hair is sky blue? No, no, okay, not okay. anymore. No, 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 no. No, what would I say my hair is right now? It's lighter than sky blue, but okay. it really was going for sky blue. Okay. So that's a tough color to achieve in hair, I'll be honest. And sky blue, um, 
I mean, do you have any thoughts first off? No, but is your Gatorade sky blue? Yeah, I think okay. it is. I mean, I really love, I will say like sky blue is kind of a top, 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 top color for me. Top, top, and tippity, I think tippity, sky blue combined with neon yellow and neon orange is like one of the world's greatest combinations. Ooh, ooh, and like ooh, maybe ooh, add a little white and I'm like, that is okay, chef's well, That is kind of like the Gatorade. Of a, <laughs> it's a got little, a little orange. I'm also in my Gatorade era, to be honest. <laughs> so that's maybe happening. Um, what I mean, feelings does sky blue call up for you? Hope, happiness, hope. like life, um, like possibility. Um, I mean, I think it is you get sky blue when the clouds are not in the sky and the sun is shining. Yeah. Uh, I mean, right now the sky is a sunny day in Seattle and it's pretty dark, vivid. It doesn't feel like sky blue. I mean, the sky isn't automatically I sky think blue. The sky right? right now is, in my mind, the literal. Like I'm like this is I, the this sky to me blue. looks like regular blue. I would, t- I would take sky blue is is like this Gatorade. I think it's like a light blue, right? Let's just look up a definition. Sky blue. Look up a picture. Oh, look up a picture. Okay, I guess I guess it's really hard, and I'm sure the average listener is like this. Like, uh, it's hard for me not to associate to just crayons. Right. And I would say for me. Yeah, like that. Uh, I guess the That's sky what the sky is, is, sort is this color. But, but but there's 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 this. different gradients in the sky right now. The, the the top point of the sky right now is a darker. It gets lighter as it it's goes true. down. It's true. I mean, that's maybe part of it okay. is maybe based on nature. So it's never really. I would say coloring in the early days of my life when when I went for the sky blue color in a Crayola crayon box. It was, it was too, um, I don't know the word for it. No, uh, uh, what's the word? Not taupe. Matt, you know, like it it didn't have the vibrancy. And I'm not saying sky blue is like that. Like when I look at sky blue here, it's not like that, but it was like the texture of the Crayola crayon wasn't very useful for me. There were other Um, better versions of blue to use in the Crayola crayon box. Let's see it. Like it was almost like the co- like I would use the color white in a Crayola crayon box to make something a little more like a matte finish without even having the language for that. Yeah, this is this the color you're yeah. thinking about? Yeah. No, I think you're. I think there's something. Uh, it's not super strong. Um, I want to note for the uh, note for folks. Scott's very good at coloring with crayons. <laughs> uh, <like laughs> That's nice. Just a side <laughs> note compliment. Just side notes. Yeah, we, I should color more often. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. I did color a lot when I was younger. Um, sky blue. Fucking love it. Great. <laughs> Are you going to spin the wheel again? Yeah. Oh, we're going to p- pair the colors. We have to pair the colors. Okay. And then so everybody after blue. this, we're going to do a short segment of famous people that were born today. And I want to tell you today, there's a lot of famous people born. So get ready for that. The wheel is spinning. Coral. Coral. Is that like a pinkish? It's like a pinkish, pinkish orangish color. Okay, well, this sort of seems like in the realm of what you were enjoying. I, 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 it's so funny. You don't have a good feeling about this. Quickly, I don't love coral hmm. typically because I think coral is, as you were describing, less vibrant. Pinkish orangish, I would say. I, I, I think in my mind. Um, Let's see what this Google is because I would want something like a neon coral. If you're at home, go ahead and Google it yourself. Wish we could show it to you, but we can't. Maybe we'll do a YouTube version of this podcast someday. Coral. Oh, okay. Uh, it's, it's showing up a little brighter than I thought, but it's still, it's not the color I'm dreaming of. No, I don't. I don't. I, I don't think I love coral. I don't know what my uses for coral would be. It, I, for some reason, I obviously instantly think of a little mermaid for whatever reason, but, um, it's sort of a pinkish orange. It seems. Mm, I'm going to see if know. there's anything. If I type in the word neon, what that does to the situation. Neon coral. Yeah. <laughs> sure. It's a little brighter. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. like I like that color that I'm pointing to right that now. That color. Which is more like a neon red. Magenta. Magenta. Yeah. So I could see it. It's funny how little change in the color wheel does a lot. So what, what would you feel about a house that was painted sky blue with coral trim? I would be happy because it would be oh, like, different. look at that house that's yeah, like yeah. bringing color into a neighborhood. Yeah. Like, I wish every house <laughs> you was You are so different that way. I'm like, painted. look at that horrendous house. No, 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 no. I'd be so happy. I like imagine like there's a really beautiful periwinkle house in our right across from us. I'm like, thank you. I love this. I love, I wish we all had beautiful colorscapes mm-hmm. as our homes a little bit more exciting. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like Coral and Sky Blue didn't give us much to work with there. It's sort of I like, don't know. If, if it's Neon Coral like this, I'm like really... But it isn't. Alas, <laughs> alas, you got given Coral. <laughs> you can't change I the rules of your own color wheel. <laughs> um, okay, who was born in this day? Oh my gosh, get ready, everybody. Who was bum, born in this day? It was bum, a bum, lot bum. of people. Um, and, oh gosh, it just disappeared. Talk while I look this up. Um... um Gosh. Let's think. Okay, what here we go. I found, I, I, found it. I found it. I found it. <laughs> hey, let's think. What could possibly be said? Okay. So uh, we can go through these relatively quickly, but I feel like if you let yourself freeform a little bit, you'll have a lot to say. Okay. Right off the bat. Okay. A biggie. Oh, no. A biggie. Robert Pattinson. <laughs> oh, Robert Pattinson. <laughs> what yes. do you have to say? Yes, I have great things to say about Robert Pattinson. Big mood board in terms of just uh, aesthetic energy that I am uh, into in a who knows what kind of way. Not really romantic, <laughs> perhaps sexual. Definitely aesthetic admiration, like um, aesthetic attraction. Okay. Potentially. Not like uh, necessarily sexual erotic, but aesthetic. Yeah, maybe. I yeah. don't really know. It's kind of an amalgamation because I was everybody big into Twilight. Yeah. Uh, throughout my high school times. And I had pretty much, I would probably say crushes on all of them. Most dominantly. Do you know, Bella strangely, existed. I know all about Twilight and I've never watched a movie or read the book, but I know the characters and I know the main plot points. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, so I, he'll always be sort of well, associated with Edward. Think, no, because I think what he also, I think both he and Kristen Stewart, and this is just my opinion and from my interpretation, uh, like they both were kind of angsty as actors too. And like went on to kind of develop into being more like, uh, iconic in their own way. Like they found a way to use that role and it kind of haunts them, but also they're like, I think of Robert Pattinson as like doing also interesting newer work. And it's like, what is this guy up to? And he's so brooding in interviews sometimes. And is this character that it's like, I love this for us to have Robert Pattinson acting in this way that I'm like, what are you fucking up to dude? Yeah. Uh, so I think those are my first thoughts. I will say he has tended to date some pretty freaking, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Interesting people, cool people, cool people, FKA twigs. And then, yeah. and he's dating somebody else now. That's really cool. I forget who he's dating, but they, he showed up to the Met Gala with them. Yeah, no, I feel like they're, I think Rob Pat is like a alt Rob Pat, uh, like a pretty boy gone more alt. So I would say, I would imagine you were team Edward. I was LOL, like in high school, like freshman year, I was probably like, I'm team Switzerland. Switzerland? What does that mean? It's like, I'm like, I'm Neutral? like here for Bella having both. Oh like, gosh, I love team them Switzerland. Both, which is, like, That's makes so funny. so much sense yeah. in who I am. I'm like, yeah, why can't she have them both? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's early signs of a polyamorous posture. <laughs> posture. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I think I was always kind of like they're each providing something good for her. I think I felt frustrated by them being pinned against each other to some extent. But, I but would also say, that's part of the based joy on of what it. I know about you. You know, I I mean, t- correct me if I'm wrong because I really haven't read the books. But like, it would Jacob be considered more of like broish frat boy no. just because he's so big and buff and no werewolf? because he's kind of like i this like jacob is kind of like this um i think what's appealing about jacob is he's like this earnest sweet tender-hearted person who's got this like werewolf body that's alpha vibes yeah. but he's what you love about him is that he has, he does that role, but he really is actually shining in his like sweetness and okay. his like loyalty and his like that part of him. I mean, my first association with Robert Pattinson was Cedric Diggory and Harry Potter. Oh gosh. Yeah. My boy, my boy, my boy this is the saddest <laughs> scene ever. But I think he has, I mean, I don't, I don't know when Robert Pattinson aside, I mean, he was just so huge in, in twilight, but like he has chosen, impeccable roles ever since. Like I haven't even seen a lot of his roles, but I loved Batman recently. Yeah. yeah. And I'm excited for any Batmans that come out with Robert Pattinson. I would take Robert Pattinson as Batman 
way over Ben Affleck. And I would take whatever was going on Robert Pattinson's Batman movie way over Tom Snyder or Zack Snyder. And anything is happening over there. It was like, this was such a better movie. Yeah. Although there I were a few those other ones. I'm not points. a superhero movie person. There don't, don't see any. Well, other I was here other for Rob DC Pat universe. and Zoe Kravitz. But also one of the coolest movies that I would highly recommend if you haven't seen it, that he was in with Willem Dafoe is called the lighthouse. No, I haven't seen it, but everyone oh, talks so highly of it. I think I've seen like 20 minutes so of it. Good. Yeah. It's so good. And just like an artsy. Yeah. I mean, so he's a he's a legit actor. Legit. Number two is Stevie Wonder, another huge wow, one. Wow, 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 wow! And it is interesting that Robert Pattinson and whatever website this is goes above Stevie Wonder, but in the in the grand scheme of yeah, things, yeah, I don't know. I think that's like they're probably put, both in the running. Um. So Stevie Wonder, do you have any associations with Stevie Wonder? Not really. Not, Not really. really. No. You, did you? Can you do a song by Stevie Wonder? No, I don't think I can. <laughs> I just called to say I love you. I just called. To say I love you. Okay, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I would say sometimes it seems, I know in certain circles, Stevie Wonder is not underrated. But I think generally in my experience, Stevie Wonder is underrated in the sense that I don't think he gets the sort of credit, credit that, that he, he deserves. deserves for influencing almost all pop and R&B music. Yeah. Like he's easily as big as somebody like Elton John or Billy Joel. And I don't, I'm probably people are even offended that I'm associating him with white folks, but like, um, it, it is, I do know that song. What's other songs? Cause I, I know it's signed, like, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like the most obvious choices, but he's written a lot of other ones too. Of, of course. Yeah. No, I, I mean, hugely influential. He's, he's won 25 Grammy awards. Whoa. Yeah. That's a lot. Stevie wonder. That's a lot. I mean, obviously he's also, for whatever, I don't know the right phrase to say this famous for being blind. Same with Ray Charles, you know, it's like, um, that's an element of, I mean, a lot of rappers use Stevie wonder as some sort of reference point to talk about sort of being able to see and perceive something without your eyes. Like the, mm-hmm. like some, somebody mm-hmm. say like, I get inner visions like Stevie. That's a mm-hmm. Lauren Hill line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it, but but I, I so many rappers reference Stevie Wonder. Yeah, and there may be something around that of like I'm coming up with this word, and I think it might already exist in the lexicon of like intra-abled, like the way we can be interdependent and like different abling bodies bring bring different gifts mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what that word is. Shout out to Stevie Wonder. Shout outs. Um, shout outs. Deborah Ryan is number four. Debbie Ryan. Deborah. Debbie. What does she um, look like? Well, she was in that Hey Jesse show, which oh, my no, daughter you know, Avery loved. You know who hey she's Jessie. married to? Who? The Josh Dunn of 21 Pilots. Oh, funny. And you should funny. see their house. It's really like well, extravagantly If you want to show me beautiful. that, I, I, I'm not that interested, but I will look. B. Arthur is number five. She was from Golden Girls. Do you remember the Golden Girls? I'm just like, you guys can think about whatever you want when I say B. Arthur. Um, I'm continuing to go. Dennis Rodman is number eight. This is not really landing on a Mesa. I'm Everybody showing pictures really of care about Dennis Debbie Rodman. Ryan and Josh Dunn's house because it's like it's a giant, uh, outrageously beautiful, artsy, abundant, artsy, cool uh, kind of. I'm really jealous. It's just it's uh, like go a, look up Josh Dunn and Deb Deb Ryan. Is it Deb Ryan? Yeah, Deb Ryan. Look at this paint. It's like cool murals everywhere in the house. Deborah Ryan. Look at this drum room for Josh Dunn. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I'm I'm jealous. Um, so that's my association. <laughs> Went right to Twenty One Pilots. All well, right. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have anything to say about B. Arthur or Dennis Rodman, um, or B. Arthur. But number nine, I think this is worth mentioning. These are all really older people. I don't. I feel like you, of course, you'd have more to say about Robert Pattinson. Do you know who Darius Rucker is? He's the lead singer of Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> Do I know a song by them? Uh, <laughs> you and me, we both got different. up in blue. I only want to be with you. I know they were like song. late nineties. <laughs> they were huge for a while. Hootie and the Blowfish. I know that song. And it, it was a name of a, 
a, a group of people kind of always think he's Hootie. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a stupid name for a band, Hootie. but it was like, he's Darius Rucker. Um, Sonny Leon, who's a model. Um, just going through the, the Harvey Keitel, super famous actor, Stephen Colbert, number 15. Okay. Uh, but none of these are really sparking much from Mace anymore. I think we got I mean, to the part. I think, I think <laughs> like, if you, okay, Stephen Colbert, I'll, I'll just breeze past that. Do you have um, any thoughts on Stephen Colbert? Oh, 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 final one. And final one, we'll call it a day. Stephen Colbert, love Stephen Colbert. Um, I would say perfectly rated probably in the pop culture. Perfectly I rated. I think the Colbert Rapport is one of the coolest things ever created. And, and if we were going to do an episode on The Fool, mm. that would have to come up. Yeah. Because yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't know how he did it. It's yeah. like he played a character. He played the character so aggressively. Yeah. Yeah. And to just do that. No, and, it's and very it's cool. Just, it's just bizarre too, because then he would give really good interviews as his character and he would draw out real thoughts from most of his, but he would be doing it as this extreme American loving satirical posture. And then he would have a, a legit cool band on the show like Kendrick who would have his, the Colbert report early on featured Kendrick. Um, yeah. And I think in his new way where he's not sort of, I don't watch the, Stephen Colbert show very often, but it seems as yeah, I think he kind of had his, I feel like he, he's definitely, he had like his best moment or well, he he's did. probably right now pretty huge. And, yeah. and I just don't think we're particularly paying attention to Colbert. Right. But I see that his interviews get a lot of attention and I think he's just at this point when he's not playing that crazy character, he's more of just like this really funny, sincere guy who draws right. out like sincerity from people. Yeah. Okay, number 21 was Pusha T. Oh, you've got <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> Final thoughts. Uh, maybe we'll end this podcast episode with a Pusha T song. If you would like, we shall. I think Pusha T is probably within the rap world um, properly rated, but generally speaking in the average everyday person I'm talking to about rap, underrated. Okay. I don't think very many people know about Pusha T, and the clips are also is a, a rap group that he had with his brother that is not in my mind uh, with the everyday rap listener adequately appreciated. appreciated. I mean, I think I would say the clips are one of the best rap groups of all time. And just for fun, for some interesting trivia, what happened was um, malice who now goes by no malice was Pusha T's brother and is Pusha T's brother and became like a Christian. And so couldn't rap anymore about the stuff, which I always thought was so interesting because they're like what you'd call like Coke rappers or drug rappers. And they talked about what it was like to be drug dealers in Virginia. And, you know, when you look at whatever rap is doing in, in a lot of its forms is it's just painting a picture and sometimes glorifying, but painting a picture of what, you know, life was like lived experience making sense. And so there, I, 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 it's sad. Like I personally wouldn't say there's anything obviously wrong with that. But Malice thought, um, I can't be doing this anymore because I'm leading people astray. And and went and made some Christian albums that didn't do that well. And then Pusha T started his own career and has some of the best albums, rap albums of all time and was one of the best rap lyricists of all time. But the crazy thing is mostly uh, they have these huge hits like Grindin' um, or When's the Last Time You Heard It Like This? And Pharrell produced their early albums and Pusha T will be at a concert and like everybody's asking for grinding or some of the early clips hits and his brother's like off on the stage and push it. He's like calling him out and he will never come. He, out. Will not like, do it. Do he it. won't do it. But, but everybody, if you're interested, just go look this up. Cause there was a huge moment in rap is like just recently the BET awards. Uh, Pusha T and Malice, who goes by No Malice now, came out and performed grinding together. Wow, 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 <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I'm a big Pusha T fan. And if you also want to look something up, I'm just giving you, maybe there's one person who will listen to this. <laughs> just recently on The Breakfast Club, um, there was a uh, um, rapper, I forget who it was, um, but he was he wasn't from Cash Money. He was from a different cash squad. Cash out, cash out, cash out, And he was on there and he was basically trashing on Pusha T and the rest of the whole breakfast club um, was like defending Pusha T and trying to get this guy to see how Pusha T is actually one of the best rappers of all time. So that's a really fun discussion. But. Scott is fired up. <laughs> fired up. <laughs> fired up about rap. <laughs> Narcissism, Pusha T. Is it a Narcissism. I mean, that would be fun to like unpack, um, 
you know, rap styles yeah. and narcissism and like um, the culture of like battling or yeah. like dissing and all of that. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. It's like we need to play with these things. Yeah. Like art and expression is our way of also making sense of them. All the pieces. Yeah. Okay. Well, we did it, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, hopefully this was fun for you. Uh, okay, everybody, uh, give us a rating and review on iTunes Please. if you haven't already. <laughs> um, follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on No Small Thing on Instagram or No Small Enneagram, which is really popping off. And no you, Small Enneagram is a lot of action. If you're salivating for that juicy Enneagram content, Daniel is out here making some great memes and some really robust intellectual content. They're engaging. They're Yeah, they're really out here sharing. Going hard on the Enneagram. Uh send us an email <laughs> Talk no, to us. podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're going to, we're going to send you off with a push a T song here, but I don't quite know what it is, but uh, have a good rest of your week. Thanks for listening. 20 plus years of selling Johnson and Johnson. I started out as a baby face monster. No wonder it's diaper rash on my conscience. My teething ring was numb by that nonsense. Gym star razor and a dinner plate. Arm and hammer and a mason jar. That's my dinner date. Then crack the window in the kitchen. Let it ventilate. Cause I let it sizzle on the stove like a minute steak. Nigga, I was cracking the school zone. Two beepers on me. Start a jacket that was two-tone. Four lockers. Four different bitches got their mule on. Black Ferris Bueller cutting school with his jewels on. Couldn't do wrong with a chest full of chains and an arm full of watches. What I sell for pain in the hood, I'm a doctor. Chivago tried to fight the urge like Ivan Drago. If he-